Hi there, this might sound a little bit different to uh, some of the other recordings on the website and the reason for that is that uh, in reviewing my notes on Monday I realised that I'd actually made a mistake uh, in the way that I've referred to Hezekiah in the passage on Sunday. Um, I'll mention that next Sunday, um, but just as we're um, putting this on the web I wanted to uh, re-record it just to make sure that uh, uh, that what was being preached was was truth and, and not error. Um, so um, uh, let's dive into uh, Psalm 116. And you might think it's a bit of a strange psalm to be preaching uh, on Mothering Sunday, but of course it's part of this series that we're doing between uh, Psalm 113 and Psalm 118, uh, the, the soundtrack to um, the Passover and the soundtrack then uh, to, to Jesus' uh, passion and uh, resurrection. Uh, and yet actually as we dive into this psalm, I think it's got something really profound to say to us uh, perhaps especially on Mothering Sunday. So let me lead us in a prayer. Father God, thank you so much that your word is really honest about uh, what our uh, life is like, uh, about um, the highs and, and the lows of the Christian experience. Father, I pray that uh, for those of us who are here and are struggling with, um, uh, with situations around us, show us once more your goodness. Father, for those uh, who um, are here and are full of joy and delight, might it be that in entering into this psalm and hearing it on the lips of Jesus, uh, that we might that we might love him more and be better prepared both for the highs and the difficulties in the Christian life. So by your spirit, I pray that you'd work through us now as we hear and listen to this. Amen. So this is a psalm that starts off um, calling out uh, in the individual, I love the Lord. Um, before it's been corporate, now it's a very kind of personal individual psalm. Uh, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. Um, and then the psalmist speaks about a particular time in his life uh, where he's gone through particularly tricky times. And that's from verse 3 uh, right the way through um, to, to verse 9. Uh, and then verse kind of... Um, 10 onwards starts speaking about his kind of reaction to or his uh, his response to having been brought through uh, that period uh, of time. And, uh, and what does he say? Uh, he says, verse 3, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. The psalmist thinks back to a time when he was overcome with distress and sorrow. You see how real this is. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, there was a real difference uh, between when um, my dad got ill and uh, when my mum got ill. Um, when dad got ill, um, often what would happen is that the upstairs of the house would become this kind of sanctuary uh, of silence, where my poor ailing father would go uh, and, and fight off um, what, what, what could be his, uh, his, his, his final moments as he lay there uh, in, in bed convalescing uh, in, a, in a sanctuary. When mum got ill, nothing changed. Everything just carried on uh, as normal. And uh, I, I don't know, I might have hammed that up a little bit, but I don't know if you've had that experience, you know, the whole kind of man flu thing. Um, if I may, what's going on in, in verse three isn't kind of 
man flu overegging the situation. Um, he, he, he's speaking actually of a of a very serious time uh, in his life, a time when we can tell from verse seven that his soul, his very soul, is not at rest. Uh, his soul is is restless. It's um it, it's weighed down. It's burdened to the point where he says the cords of death, literally the cords of shale of, of hell, come up and and entangle me. I feel tied up, entangled, weighed down. And I wonder if you've ever felt like that. What is it that that, that brings the psalmist to this place, not just of kind of physical uh, worry, but of a very kind of soul unrest? Well, I think there are a couple of a couple of things that, uh, that 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 highlight that to us. Um, uh, firstly, there are all sorts of kind of textual links between this psalm and uh, uh, and, and Isaiah, uh, Isaiah thirty-four, and, and and Hezekiah, the king there, who's on his deathbed, and he's uh, and he's calling out to the Lord, uh, and and uh, it's this question of is the Lord going to be good to me? Um, it's also got a, a direct link with, with Psalm 18. Um, the, the psalmist, he quotes King David, um, the cords of death entangled me, the, the anguish of the grave um, came over me. Uh, and for David, he, he's reflecting back on a time in his life where he had been promised that he was going to be enthroned, uh, the king of, of his people, and yet the most powerful man in the land was hunting for him and longing to kill him. Uh, it, it, it was, yes, that their circumstances were bad, but the, but actually what happened was because their circumstances were, were bad, it was threatening not just kind of them, but it was threatening whether they could even trust God. Can God's promises really come true, says David, if I'm, if I'm destroyed out here and, and, and not becoming king can I really trust that that God's promises are true and that takes us to a really difficult place and perhaps this is particularly difficult if you're a Christian and because what happens is that then the place that you go to in your pain and your hurt to God well you're questioning whether even he can be trusted and that's why I wonder whether this is particularly poignant as a psalm for many of us today you might be here and you, you might know that God is good. You, you, you trust that God is good. Uh, and yet, and yet for you, every time a child gives a bunch of flowers to their mum or, or to, to other people, it's like a little, little stab in your heart. It's like a little piece of you cries out, God, I know you're good to them, but, but, but why aren't you good to me? As month after month, I'm reminded of what I do not have, uh, what I long for and can't have. How, how can I trust that you are good to me in this, Father? How, how can I trust that if you're not good to me now, that I can really believe it when you say that you work in all things for my good and your glory how can I trust you with the big things maybe you're here today and and you long that you could give your mum a, a set of flowers and yet you you can't you can't because she's not here perhaps she never was and, and there's a part of you that, that carries that around and, 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 and you say, yes, I see God's goodness and I, 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 I see that other people can trust that but it doesn't doesn't feel like that to me today how can he take that from me? Maybe you look at other people with their kids and you say, God is good to their kids. 
but he doesn't feel good to me and to mine. And, 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 and if that's the case, how can I trust him? Where can I flee? If I feel like he's holding out on me here, how can I flee to him? And yet that's exactly what the psalmist does. That's, that's his solution. Did you see verse 4? Then I called on the name of Yahweh. Yahweh, save me. Yahweh is gracious and righteousness. Our God is full of compassion. Yahweh protects the unwary. Uh, when I was bought low, he saved me. The psalmist, he calls out to Yahweh, calls out to the name of Yahweh. He remembers uh, that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, that, that kind of refrain that's coming up again and again over these psalms. He, he thinks back to the Exodus. He thinks, look, God, God has been a faithful God to his people. He has saved them again and again through adversity, uh, through, uh, through, through oppression. He has been good. And so I'm going to call out to him. I'm going to cry out to him, uh, even in this moment of abject pain. I'm going to remember who he is. And what's going to happen is uh, is that's going to change the state of my soul. So I can preach to myself, return to your rest, O my soul, uh, for the Lord has been good to you. Now, we don't know that the kind of physical um, difficulty has has gone. If, if, if the if the problem in this psalm is a is, is of, of soul unrest, we, we don't know. With the Lord delivering from death, his eyes, from, uh, my eyes from tears, verse eight, my feet from stumbling, is that physical or spiritual? We don't know. In some ways, that's quite a blessed place to be because what happens is that is that the main change is that he can be saying, "My soul is now at rest." Now, here's the thing: it might well be that you're sitting here and you're thinking, "Okay." <laughs> Is is that really, is is that really what you're going to send me away with? You know, like um, uh, arouse all those those painful emotions and then say trust God and that's and that's it. Like, uh, is that what you're going to send me away from here doing as I as as I go home or trust God and then go and weep? No. Because as we look at this psalm, we we see all the more reason for this. You see, when Jesus sung this psalm, he then, within minutes of doing so, headed out to the Garden of Gethsemane, our second reading today. And, and, and there, as Jesus, the eternal Son of God, uh, thinks forward to what it will be to return his people to rest, what it will be to, to offer us a relationship with God, uh, for God to be faithful to his unfaithful people. Uh, he looks forward to the cross, uh, and, and there the, uh, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God would become sin for us, uh, and he, in abject terror, falls to his knees. as he imagines what it will be to look up at his father and for the first time in all eternity see wrath as well as love, right indignation for our sins. Uh, there, as, as the Son of God considers what it will be to be smeared with, uh, with my sin uh, and yours, he, he says to his father, Father, I, I, I don't want to drink this cup. This, this cup of, of, of your wrath, I, I don't want it. And yet not my will, but yours be done. 
There is the cords of hell reach out towards Jesus. He sweats drops of blood as he as, as he and his humanity says, I know you're good. And yet what I've got to go through challenges, challenges uh, that uh, it, it shows your goodness. And yet it also shows the, the, the depth of sin that I'm going to have to go through, the, the pain that I'm going to go through. And as Jesus is there in the garden, what does he do? He cries out to the Lord. He says to the disciples, pray that you won't fall into temptation. What's he doing? He's praying, he's crying out to his Lord. And so therefore Jesus is able, well, he's able to do the end part of the psalm. He's trusting that the Lord will deliver him uh, from death. Uh, he's not trusting in those around him, verse 10 and 11. He's, he's not trusting in, in the world to get him through. No, um, he will stand before the lies of the court. And as a sheep before the shearers is silent, he, he will be silent. What will he do? He will lift up the cup of salvation, verse 13. He will drink the cup of God's wrath at full strength so that you and I don't have to. He will fulfill his vows, verse 14. The, the, the vows of, of the eternal covenant, as the book of Hebrews puts it, um, that, that, that um, Jesus, our, our, our shepherd, um, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, that, that covenant that, that before all time the Father and the Son made, that the Son uh, would, uh, would step in and would take the place of his people in judgment. I'll fulfill those vows, he says, in the presence of my people. I know just how precious in the sight of the Lord, verse 15, the death of his faithful servants are. And so truly, verse 16, I am your servant. I am the suffering servant uh, of later on in, in Isaiah. I, I am the one who will suffer uh, for his people, who, who will be afflicted, who will be smitten. And just as that uh, faithful servant in Isaiah uh, goes on to speak of, 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 of living and seeing his descendants, I, I, I will rise once more. But first I will serve you, verse 16, just as my mother did. Jesus will say just uh, as his mother Mary said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me just as you have said. Not my will but yours be done. We see something there of the honour of a faithful mother. Jesus, who in the midst of Jerusalem would fulfil his vow, Willingly walking towards the cross outside of Jerusalem, uh, there would die and would cry out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, there, uh, Jesus, looking forward to that in, in Gethsemane, is, is having the experience of verse 3 to verse 
seven. And he does it for you and for me. And as we look at that, Jesus, as we compare and think on, on, on all that he has done, that means that even in the, in, in the most difficult pain, even in the indescribable pain that some of us on a Mothering Sunday will experience, we can call upon the name of the Lord. Verse 4, we can cry out, Yahweh, save me. And Jesus looks at us and says, I have and I will. And so we then can say the latter part of this psalm. We can say, return to your rest, O my soul. I don't understand. I've still got questions. There are still things that I, I, I want to think through. And yet, and yet, if God did not spare his own son, how will he not graciously give me all things? He's still good. And so I, I can say, I trust in the Lord and not those around me now. I'm going to listen to what uh, to what God says and not what the world says. I'm not going to listen to, uh, to, to to people saying this is the way that you will be fulfilled. This is what you need. No, I'm going to listen to the Lord and say, you know what I need. You know who I am. I'm going to lift the cup of salvation. That cup, uh, yes, which speaks of what Jesus did on the cross, uh, but far more than that. Remember uh, Jesus at the at the table when he lifts up the cup, he says, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of God. We lift up the cup of salvation now, looking forward to the day uh, when Jesus completes that work of salvation, when, uh, when we're not just uh, free from the consequence of sin, but free from the kind of presence of sin in this world. Uh, and, and, and therefore, uh, what, what do we do? We live in the now, not yet. We, we fulfill God's vows, uh, our vows to the Lord here and now. We, we live and speak for him, but we look forward we look forward to the day when we lift the cup with him. When in the courts of the heavenly Jerusalem, we shout, praise the Lord. Because on that day, he will wipe every tear from our eye. On that day, we will be with his people throughout history. Death will be no more. On that day, we will meet children who we have lost loved ones who are far from us. On that day, we will truly know what it means to be brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers to one another in a way that we, that we try and we long for now and we work towards now, but, but, but will be complete on that day. And so therefore, we can sing this psalm with God's people and we can sing it with Jesus and we can sing it with tears in our eyes at times, and we can sing it with determination when it feels like we're, we're stuck in, in verse 3. But we can do so looking towards the Saviour who has done this for us. And so we can sing this psalm, and we're going to do it to the tune of a little town of Bethlehem. Let's stand if we're able and sing.